It's a Minefield is an audio exploration produced by us, people who ride the waves of mental and emotional distress. Our expertise comes from our lived experience, and these are the stories you'll hear, along with those who are on the journey with us. The roller coaster of mental health can be lonely and overwhelming, but we're all in this together and would love for you to join us. Hey, Liam. Hey, Chris. Hey, Hannah. Hi, Chris. So I just did an interview with my cousin, Jess. Um, she's a year older than me and we were really, really close growing up and we're still quite close. She experienced um, multiple pregnancy losses after having two kids and she uh, wanted to tell her story about what that was like and how it affected her sense of self as a parent and a mother. That sounds in- incredible. I understand that as someone who's never been pregnant, obviously, a lot of people who do lose a baby in the, in the late stages of pregnancy, they've bought baby's clothes, they've painted a room, they've prepared stuff, and then the devastation, I imagine, of losing that child or giving birth to a child who's already passed away is harrowing. I've had multiple friends who've had, you know, like a couple of miscarriages, even more than a couple for a couple for other friends, and I know that they feel a lot of shame and extreme sadness and it's really difficult for them to talk about because you're so excited about this new child that's going to be coming into your life and the way it's going to open your life and kind of you see you know how it's going to change your relationship but there's all of these different factors that are so exciting and then all of that just kind of disappears in the blink of an eye essentially and it's it is harrowing like Leon said it's just so sad to see my friends go through that and I think it's so true it needs to be spoken about more because there is a lot of shame around it you know we all get taught oh my god it's so easy to fall pregnant it's just like it can happen so easily just like you know you have sex and oops you could be pregnant or like you know it's it's supposed to be easy but the reality is it's a really difficult thing and getting there can be hard and then for women who are trying to have a baby for many many years and then there's miscarriage after miscarriage it's heartbreaking and it can really just be kind of destroying in a way so yeah I think it's something that we all need to hear more of and so I'm really looking forward to hearing from your cousin Chris me too hey Jess hi is this your first time on a podcast yes I'm very excited I can see it on your face we're sitting in Leon's living room I'm with my cousin Jess we've known each other all of my life and most of Jess's Jess is a year and a bit older than me um yeah and I guess we were like very close growing up and we're still really close and Jess is going to be sharing her experience of pregnancy loss um yeah so Jess I guess you um you've got three kids um tell me about them um I have an eight-year-old boy I've got a six-year-old daughter and I've got a 11-month-old boy, little baby. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess 
your experiences of pregnancy loss, when um, when did they start? Uh, so they've been about, it's been a three-year journey um, and the most significant part of that journey has actually been two weeks to this very day, which is, I think, really significant that I'm here and I'm talking about that today. What happened two years to this very day? Uh, I gave birth to a stillborn baby boy. What was the, the build-up like and, I guess, the, the emotional and, and physical aftermath of that? Mm. Uh, pregnancy is a very funny experience. You go from this horrific high, you are that excited, and then in the flash of an eye you can just go to this all-time low. And that can happen within two weeks, that can happen within three or four months. And it's So I um, had two miscarriages before that, so I was well aware of that high and that low and it feels like your legs have been ripped out from underneath you and so when I fell pregnant this time I was very very cautious didn't tell a lot of people uh, didn't really pay a lot of attention when I went to the doctors ignored the ultrasound screen because I didn't want to be in the moment and I guess I had just started to accept it I was 17 18 weeks along I'd gotten over that 12 week period where they say that's the the crucial time and I was like okay I'm going to go to this appointment and I'm going to tell people you know I'm going to start opening up and telling people what's going on and I remember going to the appointment and laying there on the ultrasound and if you've ever had a baby before or anything like that you, you always listen out for the rush sound and it's like the thump the thump the thump and that never came and I remember saying to the doctor, there's no heartbeat, is there? And I went into this moment of, I think, survival. I think uh, other women I've spoken to went into this just almighty scream and, and collapsed on the floor and couldn't get up. And that emotion is amazing and that's justified. And I went totally a different way and I went just survival mode I was just numb I just sat there and and listened to what the doctor was saying and I remember paying the bill to the receptionist and I was just yeah numb and I had to go down to um, Sydney Ultrasound for Women and sit there with all these pregnant women in the room and all this they're all fun and oh they were so excited they're having children I had to sit there with them and then go into a room and be scanned again because they wanted to get a dating scan and this lady said to me, I'm really sorry, there's, there's no heartbeat. Um, and that, I don't think, is something... It's that moment that lives with you forever. There's no heartbeat. And that was really, really hard. And I went home and I started to feel revolting. I've got this dead human inside me. I feel disgusting. I just want it out. Um, So then you start doing all the bad things to yourself because you just feel gross. And then you start feeling guilty because, you know, I'm made to do this and I I should be able to grow a life. And I I can't. I've failed. I've failed at what I'm made to do. So those are some of the, the emotions that you go through. And then that lasted for three days where I had to feel revolting in myself. Um, I then had to go to hospital 
and my doctor advised that I give birth vaginally. I had the option of a Caesar, but they said, no, no, you'll have to give birth vaginally. And that is an added layer because you're given exactly the same medications as other women are given. So you're induced with a live birth, baby works with you to be born. This instance, baby's not working with you. So it is twice as hard. And I remember when he was born, two things happened when he was born, but one of them was the nurses said to me, do you want to see him? And I said, no. And that still sits with me today, why I said no. Half of me said no, and I've worked through this a lot in two years, but half of me said no because I didn't want to have that image continue to flash in my mind all the time. And I, and everyone says, like, oh, your firstborn always looks like your secondborn, always looks like your thirdborn. And I didn't want to look at baby photos of my two older children and go, oh, that looks like him. So I said no. Um, and then part of me feels like I should have said yes. I should have said yes to validate his life. He was a person. And I should have said yes. And I should have given him that hug that he never got. And so that's hard. That's one thing that's really hard. And the second thing that was really hard to deal with was because you give birth vaginally, you still get those same rush of hormones wow, I've just done this, look at me, how fabulous am I, which is a very normal rush of emotions that women get. Um, and all you want to do is you just feel automatic love for this baby and you just want to hold it. So I had those exact same rush of emotions, but I didn't go home with my prize. And that's what they say, like say, oh, you know, you've gone through all this, you've given birth, which is very horrific for men and women, and then you get to go home with a prize. But I didn't get to go home with my prize, but I still had that same hormones rushed or that rushed emotion that every other woman goes through so that was really hard in the coming days months and weeks that had passed what kinds of support were you linked in with before giving birth to this um child of yours without a heartbeat um, I was seeing a psychologist and it was really important to me to see a psychologist that actually specialised in infertility and infant loss. So that was really important because I just didn't want to talk to any psychologist. I wanted to talk to someone who was trained to do that. So that's who I spoke to. And we had an emergency session on the Friday after everything had happened. And, um, and it is really strange because he was 18 weeks, legally he doesn't need a name and there was no funeral. So it's really hard because I didn't have to legally name him. You, it's funny because you can't say that's when X died. Like, so it, it's, it's really funny to kind of try and refer to it is unusual. So I had to see my psychologist to kind of talk about, well, how do I say that and a lot of the time with people I just say oh what happened in January and expect people to understand <laughs> what happened in January because it's really quite funny to say um so I spoke with her for a long with for a while um and she was really good uh and then it was just 
generally people in your life. One of the things I worked with, with my psychologist, was I was sitting downstairs having to have an ultrasound to make sure that everything had passed. And I thought to myself, I'm going to do this again. This is not how my story should end. And that was really hard because I thought, is that just normal? Is that just a normal rush of hormones talking? Or do I actually really want to do this again? And is my story not over? So I had to work through that a lot and actually figure out what that meant. So that was what I worked with with her for a while. But also then just other people in your life um, that helped. I became really attached to my husband, more so that if he was upstairs, that was too far away. I had to be upstairs too. If he was out mowing the lawn, I had to be out mowing the lawn. So that was really hard and he would push me like onto other people. Like He would say, right, your girlfriend's going out you're going out I'll drop you there so that was good and I had lots of people that were really supportive around me that helped um I had just started a new job which I think helped because no one knew what had happened I could be a normal person my old boss rung me and said we've heard what happened please come back and work with us you know there's love and support here And I said, no. And I think that was a really important thing to say because if I did go back there, that feelings, the emotions, the stories, people would look at you with sad eyes. And I think that was really important for me to say, no, I'm going to go where no one knows my story and for so many hours during the day I can be a regular functioning person and then I can go home and collapse (laughs) into a ball of tears. So I think that helped on my journey. One of um, my mum's friends actually saw me up the street not long after it happened and she said to me, like, he'll always be with you. You've just got to open up and let him be there, but he'll always be with you. And it was funny because I was, like, laying in bed and it was, like, so late at night and something pinched my toes so hard and I woke up and I thought, oh, my gosh, what was that? And then one time I was in the kitchen and something tugged really hard on my sleeve and I thought, what was that? And, like, she's very much into that whole spiritual world and she said, that was him. He's there. He's right there with you all the time. And I was like, oh, okay. And I suppose I've kind of, I'm not as in tune with that anymore as what I was, but that was a nice feeling. That was a really nice feeling. Yeah. Mm. How do you live alongside him now and, and the other babies you've lost? Um, I'm not afraid of dying because I know he'll be there. He'll meet me at the pearly gates and we'll be able to be together then. So that gives me comfort um, that I can essentially be a mum to him again in that spiritual world. <laughs> okay. Tears are welcome. <laughs> like, and understandable okay. when talking about this. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know since experiencing this really tragic loss you've since had another baby Mm. um oliver what's what's that journey been like that journey has been something else altogether um it's really funny i'm a very i'm a different person now than what i was and i see glimpses of me come back but you're very different so if someone says they're pregnant everyone normally jumps up and down hooray hooray and i'm don't project on them but i'm very reserved i'm like that's great that's okay that's great but I'm 
yeah, so I'm not... And it's funny having... Being pregnant again and then seeing people close to me go through it again and just their take on it and my take on it. So when I, I was very much... I used to go into ultrasounds and they would say, do you want the screen on? And I'd say, no, don't want to see it. And then they would say every time, oh, I can see you've had two other children. And then they would then ask, oh, oh, and you've also had a little boy. Oh, just six months ago. And then you'd have to say, because they would be medically thinking that's impossible. And then you'd have to go, oh, but he was a stillborn. And it was every time you went in, you had to relive this every time. So that was really annoying. Um, And people would say to me, oh, you're so brave to go back and do it again. You're so brave. But to me, the head and the heart weren't talking. I was pregnant from the waist down and from the waist up, I was a normal person. I would look at myself in the mirror. I really wouldn't, I'd not really pay much attention at doctor's surgery, things like that. Um, And then when my son was born, I went into postnatal depression and that is something else altogether. Um, And it was, and what I've kind of worked out now was I can't love you because you might be taken away from me. And there was always that distance. And he's now 11 months old. And when he got, and I remember when he got to 10 months old, I went, I actually love you. It took 10 months for me to get there. And so, yeah, so it has affected me (laughs) and my interaction bond with him. Has your... It sounds like your relationship with the people who maybe don't know how to talk about it and ignore it has has changed. Yes, yes. Um, it's very much don't have them in my life or just in tiny little bits. Um, it's also made me very much aware of what to do if someone else goes through a crisis. One of the things I've learned is everyone says, let me know what I can do. And you're like, I don't even know. Like, I can't even get out of bed right now, let alone think about something that you can do for me. Where now I've learned, just do it. Just drop something off. Send a voucher. Just don't wait to be invited. Just do it. So that's taught me a lot about how to be there for other people. Mm. How do you remember him at a time like this? Or like acknowledge his mm. Mm. his life and his mm. Mm. impact on you and your family. It is really it's a funny thing because he legally didn't need birth certificate. He legally didn't need a funeral. He didn't need a name. So that's it's it's really funny um, way to yeah it's really quite strange. Um, a friend of mine gave me a tree I planted in the backyard and um yeah so I always uh we go away around about this time so that's and even two years ago I had like I gave birth and then we went away like three days later because I couldn't get a canceler. They wouldn't let me cancel my booking even after I told them what happened so we were forced to go away <laughs> So, um, 
so like that was really nice to actually just get away from life for a while and and um and sit there on the beach and just really kind of realize what I had gone through so funnily enough we went back there last year we're going back there again this year so that's kind of become like a little pilgrimage we'll go back there and you know we'll remember what we had gone through and and the life he could have had yeah yeah Mm. I think a ritual like that and going away I guess is it's an example of taking time out from your day-to-day life to spend time with those Mm. that you love the most and to Mm. remember and commemorate um, the person that you've lost. A friend of mine gave me a book and it was, uh, you could have been an astronaut, you could have been a teacher, you could have been a fireman, but to me, you were this. And that's really nice because I do read that when I'm there. I think you could have been this and you weren't. But to me, you were just you were everything I wanted. I didn't care if you were an astronaut. I didn't care if you were a fireman. You know, like, it's just, to me, you were everything I wanted at that stage. So that's really nice. So I kind of take that book with me and read it. So that's how I kind of remember. Yeah. yeah. I think having those little rituals, it sounds like it's mm. it's really important. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad you're able to do that with with your family and those close to you yeah absolutely because it's it's very much you know i've said this before but because in the eyes of the government he's nobody um but in like in my little group they said to me oh it doesn't matter you know the experience is no different so recognize and validate who he was and and what he could have become yeah Yeah. did i guess the experience of say the government and the legal system not seeing him as a person even though he was yeah did that impact on your grief and make you feel like uh maybe you didn't deserve support because he didn't really exist it was like I had no closure I think a funeral would have been closure you know recognition of his life that there was a heartbeat there that it was a human so I think that was really hard because I was very, very close because it's 20 weeks. So I wasn't that far off um, being recognised. So I think, and I know they can't do it. I know jurisdictionally that's really hard. I know that. But it would be really nice. So I think you don't have closure. It's always this kind of, I don't know, swirly thing. That's, there's no closure. So I think that would have been really nice to have closure um, like the midwives of the hospital were really good. They kind of helped with that closure, um, particularly when they said, do you want to see him or do you not want to see him? I think that was their way of closure. Um, and you get like a little pack, a little care pack, which has a teddy bear in it, which you're obviously not going to want to look at forever. So that went straight to the garbage bin and, <laughs> <laughs> and brochures to support services. And it had a CD in it and most of that stuff just <laughs> went straight to the bin. Um, yeah, so sometimes I feel like there needs to be something else, something else there. But as for what that is, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. And I think whatever that something else is, I think that's not 
I think that's going to come from people who have gone through it, like yourself and like yeah. countless other mothers who have gone through yeah. this. I think because it, because going through it, I think you collectively can come up with what some of the supports are mm. that you need and mm. in terms of grieving. Mm. Yes, I think we can find out what is that something that what is that something that we need yeah yeah and that something will look different person to person and family to family absolutely some people probably would have really loved that little teddy bear yeah to me it was just constant reminder of what happens that's why i went in the bin it wasn't a comfort to me but for some people it could be a comfort to them so i guess because you're at that absolute vulnerable stage what works for some isn't going to work for all yeah. So, yeah. Totally. And mm. listening to the people who have been through it and are going through it. Yes, definitely. Definitely yeah. listening, yeah. 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 And I guess how did going through this change your relationship with with your body? I, and like, what was it like before going through this? Um, and, yeah, how did it change? There was a lot of hatred a lot of embarrassment um why is this happening to me what have I done to deserve this yes I think (laughs) sometimes you'd be in the kitchen and you'd like crack open wine for cooking and then people would be like no and you're like no I'm not drinking at five (laughs) o'clock I'm actually using this (laughs) in cooking so I think that there was a lot of people out there that could see it could spiral quite fast and quite bad um and it's taken me a long time to well and, and I never embraced I never embraced my previous pregnancy I couldn't it was all fine everything was going well and I couldn't accept it and I couldn't embrace it my body was actually doing what it was designed to do which is what I was angry with it in the first place so I don't think I've really even accepted it, my body. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I ever have. I think I don't. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. What would accepting it look like? Oh gosh, um, I think probably just, and I think that's what this year will be about. It will be. I think when you were talking about commemoration before think this year it won't be about him as much I think it'll be about me what I've been able to do what this body's been able to do what my mind has been able to do in such a short amount of time I think it'll be more celebrating me and and coming out well I wouldn't say coming out the other end because that's not really right but how far I've come like you're further along the journey yes and each step of the journey is totally valid Mm. it's an up and down journey there's no magic button to push for complete healing thanks for tuning in it's a minefield is produced by chris jager hannah achelis and leon fernandez audio by Lockie hilda we're kindly supported by the mental health commission of new south wales you can reach out to us at iams.org.au And remember, we're all in this together.